1: Well, happy Mother's Day. That is great. Love being able to see all of that. It's a wonderful day to be able to celebrate moms today. Uh, and uh, if that applies to you, make sure that uh, make sure that uh, uh, well, one, you say Happy Mother's Day to your mother. So I'm going to say that to my mom today. Happy Mother's Day to my wife, and then uh, to those around you that uh, that applies to. Make sure you wish them a Happy Mother's Day. Uh, a teacher was teaching her third grade class, and she had a uh, a unit one day. On on magnets. She told them all about what magnets do and how magnets work. The next day as she got to class or in her class, she gave her students a little quiz over what she had covered the day before. And the first question on the quiz said, uh, says this. It says, my name has six letters. The first one is M and I pick things up. What am I? She was amazed when half of the students turned in the class and they had filled in the word mother rather than the word magnet. Maybe that's how you view your mom. Uh here today, or maybe that 's what your mom has been. Uh, she has been the one who picks up after you, but that 's more there 's more to the story than that. She is far more than that you 've all heard the chapter out of 1 Corinthians chapter thirteen that talks about love. I want to le- read you a different rendition of that idea of love that was written by a mom. Listen to these words: If I live in a house of spotless beauty. With everything in its place but have not love, I am a housekeeper, not a homemaker. If I have time for waxing, polishing, and decorative achievements but have not love, my children learn cleanliness, not godliness. Love leaves the dust in search of a child's laugh. Love smiles at the tiny fingerprints on a newly cleaned window. Love wipes away the tears before it wipes up the spilled milk love picks up the reprimand uh, or love picks up the child before it picks up the toys love is present through the trials love reprimands reproves and is responsive love crawls with the baby walks with the toddler runs with the child then stands aside to let the youth walk into adulthood Love is the key that opens salvation's message to a child's heart. Before I became a mother, I took glory in my house of perfection. Now, I glory in God's perfection of my child. As a mother, there is much I must teach my child, but the greatest of all is love. And I hope that that's your approach as you're a mom, that your desire is to communicate and to teach your kids love in that type of Of way. Today, what I want to do is take a break from the Ten Commandments. I know we just got back into the Ten Commandments last week, but today's commandment would have been on uh, you shall not commit murder. And I thought that was a downer for Mother's Day. I thought it doesn't really fit for mom. So we're going to put that on hold again, and we are going to do something different today. We are going to look at today. This title of a message, which I I love the words out of the Bible, out of John chapter 2, the title of the message today is The Greatest Advice Ever Given greatest advice ever given, and it's going to come from the lips of a mom toward a group of people when she gives this advice that is so spectacular. Mothers give great advice. They give all kinds of great advice. While our Lord is a wonderful counselor, our moms are pretty great counselors themselves if you listen to the words of advice that they give. I recently came across a list of great advice we get from our moms, things that you would have learned as a child growing up, things like this. If you open it, close it. If you turn it on, turn it off. If you take it out, put it back. If you empty it, fill it. If you fill it, empty it I wish my sons would take that to heart when it comes to the dishwasher. Uh, put on your clean underwear. Wash behind your ears, brush your teeth, don't run with scissors in your hand, don't swim on a full stomach. By the way, I still don't know as an adult, uh, 51 years into life, why we don't swim with a full stomach, but maybe somebody can fill me in on that later. The late Irma Bombeck once wrote this, when your mother asks if you want a piece of advice, it's just a formality. It doesn't matter if you answer yes or no, you're going to get it anyway. Well, today, in the case of John chapter 2, we are going to see the words of incredible advice, and they're going to happen at the wedding feast of a place called Galilee. Now, let me give you a little bit of the context of the advice that is given this Galilee event, this wedding feast that is there. It is before the ministry of Jesus actually began. His, he hasn't actually launched into his ministry, but he was attending a wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. And at this wedding feast is where he is going to do his very first miracle. In John chapter 2, the servants of this Galilean wedding got some advice from a mother. They didn't ask for it, but they got it anyway. And I'm so glad they did because literally it is the best advice that any mother ever gave. It is just seven words, seven words that we are actually going to look at and break apart today that the mother of Jesus gave that sums up all that you need to know for the rest of your life. Now, the Catholic religion would have us look at Mary as a co-mediator and co-savior, which is complete blasphemy. That is not who she is. She is not a co-mediator and a co-savior, but she is a good example and an excellent counselor of what we can take to heart in life. In fact, there is no one in the world that could give you any better advice than what she is going to see uh, say to the people today. So let's look at the story out of John chapter 2 we're only going to look at the first five verses. I'm not really concerned with all of the events that are happening in this incredible miracle that goes on. We're not going to look at those events. We're just going to look at the first five chapters in this wedding feast in Cana of Galilee. It's a wedding feast that Jesus will do his very first miracle. At the wedding feast, they had been celebrating and celebrating. A wedding feast in that day uh, day would happen for several days. It's not just a one-day event. It's just not a two-hour party. It's something that would often go on for seven days to celebrate this wedding. It was a huge, momentous occasion in a community when a family came together and had the celebration of a wedding. At the wedding, they had run out of wine Now, there was a problem because the wine was supposed to last the entire seven days, but they had run out of it, and now they were in a bind. And so Mary is going to call upon her son to actually help in this situation, and it will be the very first miracle that he ever did. Here's what the words say. It says this, chapter 2, starting in verse 1, On the third day... There was a wedding in Cana of Galilee and the mother of Jesus was there. Now both Jesus and his disciples were invited to the wedding. And when they ran out of wine, the mother of Jesus said to him, they have no wine. Jesus said to her, woman, What does your concern have to do with me? Now, I've always found that incredibly strange that he responded to his mom with the word woman. So I want you just to try that in your life and see how that works for you. (laughs) Try it with your wife. You know, try it with your mom. And she says something to you, woman, Come on. Now, that's not what he was saying. That's not the context. Again, you have to understand the context. It was a different culture. And actually, what he was doing was saying something very respectful. And it was equivalent to ma'am. It was equivalent to uh, somebody who had honor. So the word woman, don't read it like it's a put down, read it like it's being respectfully said. What, what does this have to do with me? My hour has not yet come. So Jesus' ministry had not yet begun. Now, this is going to lead to the greatest piece of advice ever given by a mom. Do you want to hear the advice? Here's what it is. Verse 5 of John chapter 2. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, do it. Greatest piece of advice ever given by a mom to a culture, whatever he says to you, do it. That's what we're going to explore this morning. Just those seven little words, whatever he says to you, do it. Let's pray. As we began, Father, help us to hear from you. Help us to bring honor and glory to you here today and help us to appreciate moms and all that they have done in our lives. We are so grateful for them. Lord, I know that there are some in here that, For the celebration of Mother's Day, it can be a painful thing, a painful memory. Maybe their moms weren't exactly the best. Maybe they had some painful relationship. Maybe they still do. Maybe they hold some hurt in their hearts or some grief in their life toward their moms. And Lord, I pray that they would be able to work through that, come to a point of forgiveness, and appreciate at least some things that their mom has contributed to their lives. Father, I pray that you would bless this time here, that we would hear from you, that it would not be my words, but your words. And help us, Lord, as we understand this piece of advice that was given. Help us to apply it to our lives today. Wherever we're at, whatever we're going through, whatever's happening, help us to take these words and apply them to us right now. Father, I pray for your blessing upon this time. It's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen. More than ever, we need moms and dads to step up and be the kind of parents that both honor God and really stand up for God's truth. I I was reading this past week an article, and the article was titled this. It was, Collapse of a Christian Worldview by Parents Has Infected the Next Generation. The collapse of the Christian worldview by parents has infected the next generation. Let me just share a little bit of the highlights from this article and how this applies to us. Here's what the article says. Kids these days are shaped by watching their parents. That's the takeaway from the Cultural Research Center at Arizona Christian University's latest survey. The survey says this. Young children are watching their parents... They're listening to their parents, and they're trying to put those two things together, watching them and listening to them. The problem is that they're seeing a contradiction between what they're seeing and what they're hearing. Kids today, with their parents, see a contradiction between what their parents say and what their parents do. Is that you? That you say one thing, but you do something completely different, and your kids are watching this, and they're seeing a distinct contradiction. The statistics are appalling, the survey says. Among American parents of children under the age of 13, only 2% of Christian parents have a biblical worldview. And even among self-identified Christians, born-again Christians, the number is only 8%. Only 8% of born-again Christian parents say or really have a biblical worldview. Therefore, there is a contradiction between what people say and what people actually do. Now, the problem with all of this is that children, their worldview is shaped starting as early as between 15 and 18 months of age. So under the age of two, the worldview is being shaped, and by the age of 13, it is completely shaped. You have from age two, a little less, all the way to age 13 to shape those kids, and the kids are seeing something that is very contradictory. Just because parents aren't consciously building their children's worldview doesn't mean one isn't forming. A child will need a worldview, and they all have a worldview, and if Christian parents are not forming it, it is being formed somewhere in life. So what is going to happen? How does it all get shaped by people? Well, the article went on to say this, that more than nine out of ten parents of preteens have what is called a synchronistic worldview, not a biblical worldview, a synchronistic worldview. What is a synchronistic worldview, you may ask? Well, that is someone who has taken a grab bag of beliefs, mixed it all together, shaken it up, and that's what they have fed their children over the ages. So what does that mean? They have taken the Christian worldview with other philosophies, mix in some Marxism, some Eastern mysticism, some superstition, put it all together, and that's what we're giving our kids, Throw in a little bit of that Marxism and the Eastern mysticism along with biblical ideas and you are shaping your kids in a way that is going to damage them forever. And now the generations are paying the price because now very, very few people have a Christian worldview because we have concocted and made this witch's brew of a worldview that is anything but godly. The greatest thing that we could do as parents is actually listen to the words of Jesus and take them wholeheartedly and apply them to our lives. Not our own thinking, not what the culture says, not what opinions of other people are, not what other belief systems are, just the words of Jesus. And so the advice that Mary gives, whatever he says to you, do it, becomes the most practical advice that ever has been given. See, the responsibility lies on the parents. We are responsible. You can't hire a teacher, a coach, a tutor, a pastor, a children's director, and expect that they're the ones that are going to do it. It's the parent's job. And so moms and dads, be the kind of parent, be the kind of grandparent that is going to shape your children and your grandchildren's lives for all eternity. This is what is important. This is what is needed in our society. And if we don't do this, if we don't shape kids with a biblical worldview, our society will continue to decline more so than it already has. Well, with the advice that has been given, the seven words of advice that Mary gives, whatever he says to you, do it. Let's break this down into three little parts. Number one, I want to give you today the extent Of the advice. And let's start with the very first word. Here's the extent of the vice. His mother said to the servants, Whatever. Whatever. That word is extensive. There is an extent to this advice that is absolutely amazing. The extent of the advice, Whatever, is an all encompassing word. Now, the Bible uses all encompassing words many different times. Let me give you some examples of this. John 3 16 says, whoever believes shall not perish. That means anyone, everyone. That's what the word means. It's an all-inclusive word. Joshua 1 9 says that the Lord is with you wherever you go. That means anywhere and everywhere. Now we have here the word whatever. That means anything and everything that he tells you to do. No limits, no boundaries. Do anything and everything that Jesus commands you to do. Now, the extent of the advice is not going to be affected by what you think or what is popular opinion. The extent of the advice is something that we need to take upon us no matter how crazy it seems. No matter how crazy it seems, the extent of the advice is something that God expects us to believe, no matter how crazy it might seem to us. Now, in the Bible, there's a lot of moments that you would look at and think, that's kind of crazy. We have the benefit of looking in hindsight, and we can understand the context of the story. But can you imagine being on the scene, getting the advice of God, and then Just doing it, and it makes absolutely no sense. Let me give you some examples. God comes to Noah, and he says, Noah, I want you to build this incredible ark, and it's going to rain. Number one, he had not seen rain. Number two, he had no idea what what an ark was. That would be crazy. What what do you mean you want me to do this? What do you mean you want me to build this boat? I don't even know what a boat is. And it's going to be how big? How long, You want me to do all of this myself? Yeah, I want you to do this. Listen to my advice. Do whatever I tell you to do. Okay, I'll listen to you. He comes to Moses, and he says, Moses, I want you to sacrifice lambs on the Passover day. It'll be the very first one, very first time. And by the way, I want you to take some of the blood, and I want you to paint it on the doorposts of your home. Uh, can you imagine Moses thinking, what? You, you want me to do what? You want me to take blood and put it on the doorpost? I've never heard of such a thing. Yeah, do what I tell you to do. Okay, I'll do whatever you tell me to do. You had people like Naaman, who he told to dip in the water seven times into the Jordan, and you're going to be healed. He told the nation of Israel, look up at a bronze serpent on a pole, and you'll be victorious. He told told the priests, take up an ark and then step into the Jordan when it was at flood water stage. Go ahead and step in the water with the ark. He told Joshua, march around the city seven times and blow trumpets. What? Okay, if that's what you want me to do. God expects obedience even if it doesn't make sense to us. There are times in your life that God is going to tell you, I want you to do this. I want you to say this. I want you to act this. I want you to change this. And you will say, that doesn't make any sense to me. And God says, I don't care. I want you to follow through and be obedient. Instead of wrestling with God and saying to God, you know what? I'll do it my way because that doesn't make sense. That's not how God operates. God says, you listen to me, whatever I say, no matter how crazy it may seem. Now, that applies to us because it, these things don't make sense to the carnal mind. But the things of the spirit are never discerned by the carnal natural mind. And that's the way it is today. You see, when you lose your job, it doesn't make sense to be at peace. When you've got cancer, it does not make sense to trust. When you've, been, when you've had to bury a loved one, it does not make sense to have joy. No matter how crazy it is, listen to what I say. It makes no sense to just a natural person that you would put your faith in a carpenter with nail-scarred hands. That doesn't make any sense, but that's what God expects. Whatever, no matter how crazy it may seem. Number, number two with that, though, a sub-point of that is also no matter how costly it seems. In Luke chapter 14, verses 25 through 35, Jesus talks about the cost of being a disciple. We often present Jesus as an easy thing. Just believe in him. Your life will be great. It will be rose petals and sunshine and and it will be fantastic. But Jesus says, no, it's not. There's a cost associated with following me. When you listen to me and you do whatever I say, there is a cost that is going to be paid in your life. It may cost you a relationship, you may say, you know what, to listen to the voice of God, I now know I need to break up with this person that I'm dating. I may need to sever this friendship that I have. I, I, I don't want to do that, but they're leading me down a path that is destructive, and it may cost me a relationship. It may cost you a job or a promotion to listen to whatever God says, it may cost you your pride because what will people think of you if you do that? It may mean your parents won't approve. It may mean your friends may laugh at you. Your family may think you're an idiot. The culture may ridicule you. There is a cost that is paid when you make the decision to say, whatever, I will follow him. Whatever he says. That's the first word. That's the extent of the very first part of the advice that, that Mary gave. Whatever. Number two, the essentials of the advice. What is the essentials of the advice? The extent of the advice was whatever. The essentials of the advice are he says. Look at this. Whatever he who is he that is Jesus? Don't listen to anybody else. Others can give great advice. They can give great counsel. Uh, you could come and I can give you counsel. Pastor Stephen can give you counsel. Your friends can give you counsel. Your family members can give you counsel. But sometimes those are great, but really that is not important. What is important is what does God say? Others may give advice that contradict the words of Jesus, Jesus takes precedence and priority over anybody else in the culture, anybody else in the world. So the media may give you an idea. I don't care what the media says. What does God say? Your friends may give you an idea. I don't care what they say. What does God say? You know, it's always amazing to me when I hear somebody wrestling with and really contemplating a divorce Often, the people that they associate with and the people that they're getting advice from is others who have gone through a divorce. Do you know that? The ones that they associate with are the ones that are telling them, You need to get a divorce. You aren't happy. You deserve to be happy. And they give you counsel, but they give you counsel from a very bad perspective. I don't care what they say, what does God say? It doesn't matter what the culture says, doesn't matter what friends say, doesn't matter what a ruler says, what a king says, what a president says, what does God say? We cannot contradict the word of God. You should always obey authorities in society, always obey the police, obey your parents and the Lord, obey teachers. But if they ever contradict the word of God, God is priority. She says this, whatever he Whatever he what? Whatever He says, whatever He says. Now Jesus said, "My sheep hear my voice. My sheep, and I know them, and they follow me, and I give unto them eternal life, and they shall never perish. neither shall any man pluck them, any man pluck them out of my hand. We listen to His voice, Whatever He is the one who says. What does He say? It's the words of God Himself. Whatever the word of God says, that's the essentials of the advice. The extent is whatever, anything, everything, no matter how crazy it seems, no matter how costly it seems. He says, what is that about? That is about who is giving you the counsel, who is giving you the advice. Part three, number three, is the easiness of the advice. The easiness of the advice. So the extent of the advice is whatever, The essentials of the advice are he says, and then the easiness of the advice is this. His mother said to the servants, whatever he says to you, that's the easiness. I love this phrase, and and let me tell you why I love this. Whatever he says to you, I cannot tell you how many people in my ministry of over 20 years now have come up to me after a sermon and said to me pastor that was a phenomenal sermon it was so excellent I loved it Uh, and I'm so glad you spoke on that because he really needed to hear that I cannot tell you how many times or she really needed to hear that or I'm so glad you said that because my friend was here and they really needed to hear that Or I cannot tell you how many times that somebody has read a book, but the reason they have read the book is not for what they can get. It's because this book is going to help me fix my husband. So I'm going to read this book so that I can fix him. Now, I would say it the other way, that guys read it to fix their wives, but number one, we know wives don't need to be fixed, and number two, guys don't read. So that's a problem. It's to you. It's not to him. It's not to her. It's not to those sitting next to you. You don't read the book for them. You don't listen to the podcast for them. You don't listen to the sermon for them. You don't read the word of God for them. It's you. God is wanting to speak to you. Whatever he says to you, that's the easiness. This is not complicated. What does God speak to you? You can't know what God is speaking if you don't actually get into his word and actually listen to what God is saying. But he doesn't stop there. He says, whatever he says to you, look at the last little phrase, do it. It's pretty simple. Mary did not say, whatever he says to you, believe it. Although belief is an important part of Of your faith. She did not say, Whatever he says to you, hear it, although hearing is very important. She said, Whatever he says to you, do it. Whatever command he gives, whatever direction he gives, whatever thing he's telling you to do, this is what I want you to do. This is the advice that is given. There's no greater advice that has ever been given than just simply these seven words in your life. Whatever Jesus says directly to you, do it. Don't argue. Don't wrestle with. Don't fight. Don't challenge. Don't come up with your own opinion. Don't do a survey and see what the culture says. Whatever he says to you, do it. You know, in, I, I think it was about 50 years ago, Nike uh, developed their shoe brand. You know, the, the Nike symbol, the, the swoosh that you see, it had its initial debut at the 1972 Olympic Games, um, and within that first year, their profits skyrocketed to $2 million, which sounds like a lot of money. Nike soared, though, to superstardom when they were able to get Michael Jordan to endorse the shoe that they had created for him called the Air Jordan in 1985. But by the late 1980s, Nike had slipped to uh, from the number one position. Sales were down. The corporate execs, uh, executives were grasping in any way that they could try to create and generate more sales. Well, in 1988, they came up with one simple little slogan that they plagiarized, and the slogan was this, just do it, and that became the motto and the slogan for really the rest of Nike from that point on, just do it. Well, that's the words of Mary herself to a group surrounding them. When there was a problem that was going on, whatever he says to you, just do it. Are you listening to God like that? Are you following him in that way? Are you following him with that idea or are you fighting against him? Are you coming up with your own ideas, your own way? Well, that's not what the culture says. The culture says this. The laws of the land say this. My family members say this. The TV personalities say this. The YouTube influencers say this. Are you saying, you know what, I'll listen to them over God? Or are you saying, I will listen to and do Whatever he says. I would like that for Mother's Day to be the commitment that is made by all of us here and those that are watching. That we make a decision today to say going forward, whatever he says, that's what I'm going to do. Not what I think, not what I feel, not what my friends say. Whatever he says, I will do it. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this privilege of just opening your word and learning and growing and gaining from these simple pieces, uh, piece of advice given by Mary, this simple seven words that you gave us that we could learn and grow and be the people that you want us to be. How simple it is. Whatever you tell us, that's what we need to do. Lord, I pray that we would be in tune with what you were saying to us that we would listen to your words, that we would be in your word, that we would be in tune with the Holy Spirit, and that whatever you're putting upon our hearts, whatever you're teaching us, whatever you're telling us, that's what we would do. Father, thank you that we can celebrate this day. Thank you that we can celebrate moms. We are so grateful and so thankful for them in our lives and the ways that they have influenced us and shaped us. Thank you for... uh, this time that we can gather here today. Lord, we pray for your blessing as we leave in the name of Jesus, amen.
0: Hey, thanks so much for checking out that message from Journey Church. We pray that it inspired you to trust the Lord, to treasure people, and to transform our world with the saving gospel message of Jesus Christ. If God is leading you to give to this ministry, be sure to head over to journeychurchgillette.com and hit the give icon in the bottom right hand corner. Your generous contributions allow us to continue making content like this week after week. So thank you for your generosity so that we can keep spreading the message of Jesus Christ all over the internet. Hey, God bless you guys, and thanks for listening to this message.